Well, there's certain things that, that happen around Christmas that when, when they happen, you're like, I think Christmas is here. One of them is a picturing a bunch of kids sitting on a carpet listening to the Jesus Storybook Bible. For, for some people, it might be uh, coming to this candlelight service every year that, where it really feels like Christmas. Uh, for me, sometimes it's driving and seeing lights throughout the city seeing different lights on homes or going to Santa's lookout. We went out there this year. That was pretty neat. Another time I really know that uh, Christmas is here is when I'm in the, the, the shower trying to hit high notes from Oh Holy Night. Does anybody do that? Like, fall on my knee. Like, get the, the highest note you can. Anybody else try to get there? No? Try it tonight. Then you'll know that Christmas is here. Well, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2 today, the story of Jesus' birth. And I pray as we listen to the story of Jesus being born, that in our hearts, that Christmas would enter in, that the love of Christ would enter into our hearts. It says this, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the First registration when, man, whatever that, Quirinius, yeah, was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, which he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we ask that you would teach us tonight about the beauty of the birth of Jesus. That Lord, whether we're 90 years old whether we're nine years old, whether we're 20 years old, Lord, that we would be overwhelmed by the birth of Christ. Lord, even as we just sang, that, that you would cast out our sin, that you would enter in, Lord, enter into our hearts, that we might know the love of Christ. Lord, even as we just sang, that you would be born in us today. Lord, not just born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, but Lord, your love, your grace, that it would be born in our hearts today. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Can y'all hear me? Is this microphone on? Okay, just making sure. The time has come. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. Maybe you've used that phrase before where where's this, there's this sense of expectation. This great sense of expectation. Maybe it's a wedding that you're going to or a graduation. Or maybe it's when you wake up early in the morning on Christmas and you start running to the tree. The time has come. It's that moment where all the anticipation of your heart gives way to fulfillment. This is what happened at Christmas. The, the anticipation 
of all of creation, since the beginning of time, comes to its complete fulfillment in a baby born in Bethlehem. That's the good news of Christmas. God moved heaven and earth to send a king to save you from your sins. That's the good news of Christmas, that God would move heaven and earth to send a king to save you from your sins. Think about this. Our Heavenly Father literally moved heaven and earth for you. I know that's probably a cliche to some people, a cliche that somebody would say and and express their love. Maybe your husband or your wife have said that to you before. I would move heaven and earth and earth for you. That's, that's something we probably have already heard on Hallmark Christmas specials this year or in some nice country song on your country radio. I would move heaven and earth for you. It's a phrase that it's an exaggeration to say, I really, really love you. But for God, think about this. For God, it's not an exaggeration. It's not an overstatement. Like literally, God moves heaven and earth for those that he loves. There's a rearrangement of heaven for those he loves. There's a rearrangement for God to show you how much he loves you by rearranging heaven and earth. I mean, think about this. First of all, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, becomes flesh and lives among us. Like heaven came to earth. I mean, it's interesting in the latest polls, when people are asked about Jesus Christ, people believe that Jesus was a real person. The polls say that over 90% of Americans celebrate Christmas. Over 80% that believed that Jesus was really born as a baby and really lived and was born in Bethlehem. They believe that, over 80%. But listen to this, less than half of those people believe that the Son existed before he was born. Believe that, less than half, believe that Jesus was the eternal God made flesh. But the Bible says this in Colossians One, it says this, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And then listen to this, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Do you hear that? Jesus is before All things, the Son of God is eternal. Listen to John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So the Father literally moved heaven for us. Rearranged heaven for us. He sent his eternal son that he might become flesh, that he might be born as a baby. 
The Father sent His only Son, heaven's favorite, so that the love of God would walk among us on the earth. But He also, look at this, moved earth too. Look at verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that, listen to this, all the world should be registered. That's all the Roman Empire are going to need to be registered. Now, when you first hear that on the surface, you might think this. Caesar Augustus had this bright idea that, that Caesar Augustus, the Caesar is the one who made the decision to take a census. But Proverbs 21 says, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it whatever he, wherever he will. That means that the God of heaven put it in the heart of Caesar to declare a census for all the world. Literally, for, for all the, wor- the earth to start moving just so that a girl named Mary and her husband Joseph might travel 70 miles to a city called Bethlehem. God moved all the earth so that Jesus might be born in Bethlehem. So that this word might be fulfilled, this prophecy in Micah that says this. We studied this this summer, Micah 5. But you, O Bethlehem, Epaphrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. So I want us to pause for a moment here to, to literally Think about this, that that God of heaven moved heaven and earth for sinners like you and like me. Think about that. That's what Luke's telling us, that he moved heaven and earth to send us a king. That's the second thing we see, to send us a king, this promised Messiah. That's what Luke means when he says that they went to the city of David because Joseph, it says, is from the house of David, from the line of David. That means that David was his great, 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 great grandfather. And so they go to Bethlehem that that this king, this promised Messiah might come to earth. See, if you go back to 2 Samuel 7, God makes this promise This special promise to David. He says this. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. See, David was promised a son. David was promised a son, a son who would come after him, who would sit on a throne forever. The Messiah, whose kingdom would go on and on and on and never end for all eternity. That's what we hear sung in Handel's Messiah. And he shall reign forever and ever. 
and he shall reign forever and ever. That's what we get to experience forever and ever. The eternal reign of this baby born in Bethlehem who is the Savior King of all the earth. If you've been with us the last few weeks on these, in this Advent season, we, we light a candle every single week. A candle that, that represents a candle of hope and a candle of love, and a candle of joy, and a candle of, of peace. And these are characteristics of Christ's kingdom. It's what we get to experience forever, that God would move heaven and earth to have a baby born in Bethlehem, declaring that Christ has come, the King has come, so that you can know peace, and you can know hope, and you can know love, and you can have joy forever. God would love you so much that he would move heaven and earth to send you a son. And the last part is to send you a son who would die for your sins. To save you from your sins. Listen to how Luke describes that first Christmas night in verse 6 and 7. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. The time has come. The time had come for the king to arrive. Not just the time after nine long months of pregnancy? No, we're talking about the most anticipated time of all time. The moment we have all been waiting for. It's the climax that we said earlier of all creation. All the angels for all eternity have been waiting on the edge of their seats for this moment. It's the moment when all the anticipation of a fallen creation was longing to receive the redemption they've been waiting for, the coming Messiah that would come and rescue them. Notice the king's newborn body is wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying now in a borrowed manger. The next time Luke tells us about Jesus' body being wrapped in clothes. The next time this king's body is wrapped in linen is when he's lying now in a borrowed tomb. When he's lying in a borrowed tomb, lying lifeless in a borrowed tomb after dying on a sinner's cross. Dying on a sinner's cross for your sins and for my sins. Yet three days later, this King Jesus, he would rise again and he would throw off those grave clothes and he would give the tomb back to its owner because he would never need it again. Because this King, this King would come to save you from your sins, to die on a cross in your place and to three days later rise again to reign forever and ever, and ever. Galatians 4, we heard Pastor Joe say that, read that at the beginning of our service. It says this, 
But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Maybe you've been celebrating Christmas for for years now. 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, 90 years of your life. But maybe tonight will be the the first night that, that you experience the good news of what Christmas is all about. That that God would love you so much that he would move heaven and earth to send a king who would die for your sins. That he would do that because he loves you. That's what Christmas is about. It's about the time that a Savior was born That a Savior King would come who would be born for you, who would be born to die for you so that you might know His great love for you. Maybe tonight, maybe tonight the time has come for you to trust in Jesus as your Savior for the very first time. I mean, think about that. Maybe you've celebrated Christmas Your whole life. But you've never celebrated the truth that Jesus came for you. That Jesus died for you. That Jesus rose again for you. And that Jesus loves you. Maybe tonight you will celebrate Christmas like never before. And Christmas will be born new in you. That Christ love would be born new in you, that you would turn from your sins and trust in Jesus. Maybe you're a Christian, though. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and and in your heart and mind, you have a long list of sins saying, God wouldn't really love someone like me. And maybe the enemy whispers these thoughts of shame, saying, God, couldn't love someone like you. He shouldn't love somebody you. Why would you think that a holy God would love a sinner like you? Well, maybe tonight, for the first time, you would look at the story of Christmas like never before and and hear through the birth of a Savior King, God saying to you, I love you. That's why Christ came, because I love you. Maybe tonight for the first time that it'll be a silent night in your restless heart. That you would feel a a calming for the first time in your soul. Because for the first time you truly believe God really loves me. God would move heaven and earth to save a sinner like Listen to what Dane Ortland says. He says in his new book, Deeper, your growth in Christ will go no further than your settledness way down deep in your heart that God loves you. That he's pulled you into his own deepest heart. His affection for his own never wanes, never sours, never cools. Half-hearted is not who he is. 
Think about that. Your growth in Christ will go no further than your settledness, way down deep in your heart, that God loves you. That's what God's saying in Christmas to sinners like you and me tonight, that God loves you. Maybe for the first time, your heart can rest in the love of God, that our Father would love us so much that he would send his only son for us. And that the Son would love us so much that He would joyfully and gladly die for us. And that the Holy Spirit would love nothing more than to pour the love of God in your hearts tonight. Let's pray together and let's ask God, not that we can just celebrate Christmas together, but that the love of Christ would overwhelm our hearts as sinners and saints this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would overwhelm our hearts with your great love. Oh, Lord, for sinners and saints alike, Lord, that we would be overwhelmed by the fact that the heavenly Father, Lord, that you would love us so much, that you would so love the world, that you would so love sinners like us, that you would send your one and only Son to die for us. That any of us who believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. Lord, that we'd be overwhelmed that Jesus joyfully, because he loves us, would go to a sinner's cross and bear the wrath, the sin, our sin on, on our behalf. So that we might be forgiven forever. So we can be never forgotten forever. And Lord, I pray that even as Romans 5 says, Lord, that we, that the Holy Spirit would pour the love of God into our hearts tonight. That we would maybe for the first time truly believe, God, you love us. Lord, just like the anticipation of all creation gave way to the fulfillment in the coming Messiah. Lord, I pray that you would overwhelm any hint of hesitation in our hearts that you love us. Lord, please overwhelm any hint of hesitation in our hearts that you love us tonight. And that this Christmas we will celebrate a lot more than toys and food and time with family. Lord, we would celebrate a Savior who would move heaven and earth to die for our sins. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.